all you people that don't know, uh, oh, welcome to The Rock Show, episode 36, no, 37, 37 actually. now, yep. And this is the um, Flaming Grooves. Flaming, the Flaming Groovies episode. Groovies. Groovies. Flaming Groovies. Yes. Um, let me see. Um, so um, we're going to be doing a few shows back to back. You're still going to be getting a show every Sunday. We might right. change the schedule a little bit because Mike is going out for a little bit because he's getting some um, hernia. I, uh, I, yeah, it turns out I got a couple of hernias in my That's abdomen. That's where your balls go this nah, big. No, it's not my balls. <laughs> it's not a groin hernia. Groin? No, no, it's in my abdomen, like by my side. I, I don't know how it happened, but... On the side? You can get a hernia on the side? Yeah, look, yeah I think so. My I cat scan my cat scan's going to show it, I think. I never heard that shit. So, you know, we're still going to be here putting out some shows for you guys. It's just I'm probably going to line them all up and then go out sick for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I'll probably put them up like every Sunday... Uh, but the video you can get it right away, so we're gonna have a lot of video contact. Yeah, like yeah, the videos definitely. Be, and we don't definitely. do the rock show. That I mean, this is probably like the and, fourth or fifth time. And starting starting next year, we're gonna do a lot of rock show videos anyway. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna be changing the format a little bit. Uh, we're gonna come up with some new ideas. We were throwing yeah. around ideas yesterday about uh, shows that um, might just feature like a band and recording one album, like you know how that went down, like the Rolling Stones doing Exile on Main Street. Things like that. So we got a lot of good ideas for you people. Yeah, I like to do like a Nirvana show about uh, sure. Team Spirit. I think sure. that that was. I think that's the only album I really like. I like the yeah. second album also, yeah. but Team Spirit to me was the one that was really like. And they did a great cover. They, did, you know, what we should actually do the Unplug album, which the I man thought who was sold great. The, world. the man oh. that sold the world. That was a great version. Yeah, it was. They did. It was. So anyway, let's talk about these childhood friends. That okay, uh, the flaming groovies. Now, flaming groovies. Uh, before we start, I just have to point out something. This, this band for me. Oh, wait up! Yeah. Before you oh. start, mm-hmm. you were going to say you saw them this weekend. Yes, I did. I saw them uh, Saturday night over at the cutting room. But you were pissed off at Eric. Uh, oh, yeah. What was the guy's name, Eric? Reckless Eric. Reckless Eric. What the fuck did he... What happened? Reckless Eric is known for pretty much one song called Whole Wide World. And actually, that album is fantastic. It's a power pop album from the UK, late 70s. Uh, You know, we got there now. The the, um, the, the cutting room on East 32nd Street is like a supper club. Yeah. Okay, you sit down, tables, you order food, you watch the band, right? Well, we get there, and we had to wait a few minutes for a table. And he was already on by the time we got there. And he started ranting in, one of the, in the middle of one of the songs. Uh, it wasn't Whole Wide World. It was another one where he said, like, about how, you know, we put a maniac in the White House and that there's probably people in this room that voted for this maniac in the White House you know, and I'm thinking to myself, first of all, shut the fuck up, all right, because no one really wants to fucking hear your opinion. We come to forget that, about that, it. Right, we, we come, come to, to yeah, I come to listen to, music. and I like Reckless Eric, and, and, and I've seen him before, but now, of course, he's probably got Trump derangement syndrome, like so many yeah. people, but, <laughs> but, but then he says how, you know, people in this room probably voted for him, and I'm thinking to myself, first of all, you fucking asshole, shut up. Second of all, you don't understand our system. Because even if anybody voted in this room, New York State went to Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah, they so always go. Before always you go. rant and shit, just fucking know how it works, okay? Because, you know, I could see if he would... I'd love to know if he'd have the balls to see it, say that down south somewhere. Oh, no, he probably it. would not. They'd Don't string them up. up. 
So, you know, it's just, it, it just gets me. Anyway, I mean, these people that, that you come to see them, you like their music, and then they go on this political rant. No, and it isn't just because I don't agree with the guy, okay? It's because you, get a, you, you, you pay 30 bucks, 40 bucks for a ticket to get away from reality for a little while yeah. and enjoy some good music. Why do you got to stick? I got to hear your fucking opinion in my, in my face. That's why I enjoy wrestling. They never talk about politics. No. Even though it's fake, I, but I enjoy it because they don't talk about it. They just, yeah. I just get entertained. You know? Yeah. Well, anyway, the Groovies went on right after that. How were they? They were fantastic. They were great. And that was my first time seeing them. Uh, the thing with the Groovies with me. But this is like a new lineup. Maybe well, just with they, the guitarist. They, they, well, the it's left, Cyril, right? Cyril is in the band. Uh, Roy Loney's not in the band no. anymore. Um, Neither is Tim Lynch. Uh, Tim Lynch, nope. nope. Yeah. Uh, Chris Wilson retired. Yeah. Okay, so I think all you have now is Alexander. Yeah. Okay, I think he, I think he did the bass play. I think that was him. Uh, but still, I mean, it, they sounded great. Cyril's a funny guy. Uh, he, they put on a good show. They did every song you wanted to hear by them. But what I wanted to say was, with me, with the Groovies, for a long time, I didn't take them that seriously because, I don't know, they, to me, they seemed like very stones derivative or oh, they were definitely stone but but yeah. but but also like for years a lot of their material was very hard to find all right and definitely before the internet it was very difficult what the hell is a power pop power I did, pop I, I did not get that okay. terminology I don't are know you familiar are you familiar with the song by them shake some action yeah that's power pop wow like like if you take like a beatles song and kind of like add a little punk rock into yeah. it you know it's like a heavier Kind of, yeah. you know, like Nick Lowe is power pop. Um, I thought it was just, to me, it was just rock and roll. I don't know they, why they labeled it's it. All, it's all rock and roll. It's all I thought rock it was and roll. more like Rolling you know, Stones. You, no, you know, well, well, you know? the early incarnation of the band yeah. was more that way, yeah. which I'm, I'm going to tell all about it now, okay? Now, the history of this band actually goes back to 1965. You had a guitarist and vocalist Roy Loney and guitarist Tim Lynch. They wanted to start a band that was kind of like a Stones blues-based yeah. band. They met up with 15-year-old Cyril Jordan, and they're from San Francisco. Um, but these guys were young when they met. Well, he, they were a little bit older. Lo- 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 Loney Lo- was a couple of years older, but, but Cyril was but, 15. But I mean, Loney and, uh, and, uh, and Lynch, they met like in grade school, I, I think. think they did, yes. That's, I how, think they that's did. how long they've been. Like, yeah, yeah. So these guys were childhood friends Childhood almost. friends and going to start a band together. Yeah. And uh, about three years, 65 to 68, they had different lineups. But by 1968, you had the solidified lineup of Cyril Jordan on vocals and guitar, Roy Loney also on vocals and guitar. They would trade vocals. Uh, George Alexander on bass, harmonica, and vocals. And Tim Lynch on guitar, vocals, and harmonica. And then on drums, they had Danny Mim, okay? That year, they released an EP called Sneakers. 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 And oh, yeah, they, they released a lot of LP, a lot of singles. Yeah, a lot of singles, yeah. a lot of EPs. It was, a, it was a, a short album, an EP, and it actually sold pretty well for an EP, right. and they had put it out themselves. Yeah, look at all this. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It actually, yeah, yep. It actually sold pretty well. Yeah, right, so that's first grade. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it sold well enough that Epic Records noticed and they actually signed them to a deal. Now, at this time... Isn't Epic Records like a big deal? Epic, Epic Records is a major label. So for them, it's, so they were like, it's really the only major label they were ever on. Yeah, but that's incredible that yeah. they, like... I was well, like, what they when were, I read that, it was an Epic level. 
And they were also, didn't they start like a trio at first? They had like another band before they started the... Uh, it was a, well, they, they, it was, they had something based on the Kingston Trio. Yeah, the Kingston Trio. But they yeah. weren't a trio. That was just a different that band. That was just a different band. Yeah, they're kind of like similar to that. Similar to that? Yeah, yeah. And then they just took the Roy Loney had that going, like okay. in the 50s. Because he was very 50s, rockabilly influenced. Kingston Trio is like a 50s type thing. Um... Epic got interested in them. Now, what the what the Groovies did at this time was very interesting. Yeah. I, and I don't think too many bands have done this. Is they actually their management company actually leased the Fillmore West, which was a venue yeah, from had, Bill Graham, yeah. and they managed it. The band yeah. managed the Fillmore for a little while. Okay. Okay. Now. If you think about that, That's that huge. would give you a lot of connections. Yes. And you're going to be connected also with a lot of other bands. Okay? Yeah. The venue, you know, everybody's going to be looking to talk with you to, to get booked at the Fillmore in San Francisco, which was wow. a big spot. So yeah. that was like, to me, when I read that, I was like, that was really fucking ingenious. Wow. Okay? So one, one, one band they got close with was uh, the Stooges. Yep. And Alice Cooper. Yep. Okay. And a lot of the Detroit brands that would come through San Francisco influenced them. Yeah. Okay. And back and forth. And and basically, that album on Epic would come out the following year in 69. Uh, it was called Super Snaz. It's a mix of like 50s bass rock and roll mixed with like an early power pop sound. Um like they do, they do a cover of like the girl can't help it, yeah. stuff like that. But to me, it sounded like very like a lot of rockabilly. Almost. Rockabilly. Well, Roy Loney. Roy, was. Roy Loney was, was all like, about that. That was his influence. And then I keep hearing like they never really say they were rock. They kept saying the pop, the power pop. Power pop. Like, they they the really, they really couldn't be labeled. Labeled. You know, they were kind of this weird mix of. Like this classic 50s rock and roll and a 60s influenced kind of they Beatles would, thing. Yeah, they would play like this. They would play, yeah. they, they, one minute they sound almost like, they don't sound like the Stone. Then they almost sound like a Scott band in a weird way. That mm. It's like, because they put so much stuff together. They did so much. Like, they weren't, not, no record was the same. No. Which was like, holy no, shit. No, they're, they're, I mean, there's different eras with them. Yeah. You know, like that, the Roy Loney era, which we're talking about now. Yes. Was more blues based, yeah. But definitely. they had these elements of power pop yeah. creeping in, yeah. and that was Cyril. Yeah, that was Cyril's yeah. influence. And actually, the, the conflict of where those two bands, where it was going to go, is is the whole story of the Groovies, All pretty right. much. So, so um, they did a cover of like uh, Eddie Cochran's "Something Else" on there. Now, unfortunately, the album bombed, and Epic would drop them after that one album. But they continued to tour nationally. And because of their connections with Alice Cooper and the Stooges, they decided to uh, sign up with um, a label called Kama Sutra, which was si- which was <laughs> Kama Sutra Records, which was signing a lot of bands out of Detroit. And Did they make him do the Kama Sutra before? Different different positions. They <laughs> also breathing exercises. Yes, that's it. That's it. They started recording for Kama Sutra in 1970. And they would release an album called Flamingo. I love this album, okay? It was recorded at Pacific High Recording Studios in San Francisco. Uh, it had some lonely tracks on it called Gonna Rock Tonight, Second Cousin, uh, She's Falling Apart. This was like a very 60s blues, early 60s stones, blues-based, 50s rockabilly-ish. Yeah, you know, it was. Kind of all <laughs> thrown all in there. The yeah. Um, it, 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 it's a great album Everybody should listen to this album But 
the second album on Kama Sutra Teenage would Head? be called Teenage Head. And it's a cult classic to this day. It's in the jukebox right here. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was recorded at Bell Sound Studios right here in New York City in 1971. And we, we're in here. We're at the International. Yes. We're in our usual spot at the International. Uh, who has a... The International has a very good jukebox. Yeah. Very good jukebox. Um, now, the, the interesting thing about this album... Uh, then there's a story about Teenage Head, okay? And they told it the other night at the show. Cyril told the story. Basically, you know, they, 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 they got, Cyril was hanging out with uh, a couple of musicians that he wouldn't name, okay? But they were famous. And uh, he said that uh, they were at some party and they were tripping and doing drugs and shit. This was like 1969, 1970. And... Uh, one of them was like, yeah, where can I go get some teenage head? <laughs> <laughs> so Cyril was like, damn, that's a good name for a song. If we could, if we could get away with it, you know. But they did. And uh, everybody knows the, the song Teenage Head. There's even a band named after that yeah. song, Teenage Head. And um, the, the interesting thing, too, is, is when they were recording at Bell Sound Studios in New York City, uh, and released that album. Mick Jagger actually caught wind of that. Yeah, he, he commented on that. And he made a very interesting comment. He said that album is better than Sticky Fingers. Yeah. Which came out the same year. Yep. Now, think about that. Okay. You got the Rolling Stones. You got the Stones saying that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, um, you got songs like City Lights, Teenage Head. They did a cover of uh, Randy Newman's Have You Seen My Baby, uh, Yesterday's Numbers, Whiskey Women. Um, Is there anything with that? They always added like a cover song. They always had. They did a lot of covers, which I think works for and against you sometimes. Joan Jett made a career doing that. Oh yeah, you know. But but these guys always these one cover in each album. Yeah, no, they they did most of their songs sometimes were covers, and sometimes there was reasons for that, which I'll I'll get into. Um, Neither one of those albums, Flamingo or Teenage Head, sold very well. and at that point, I think after Teenage Head, Loney and Jordan got a little disenchanted with the band. Okay, they kind of, it was a lot of fighting going on about the direction of the band. Uh, Loney wanted to take it down a more stonesy, bluesy direction. And Cyril Jordan wanted to take it to a power pop, Beatlesque yeah, direction. direction. And okay. it was starting to become a problem. Yeah. Um, but that's created difference, right? That's well, yeah, I mean, it, it, at that point, it's a crossroads. Yeah. You know, and what would happen is guitarist Tim Lynch would be replaced soon by James Farrell. Um, they played a concert in 1971 after the Teenager Head album came out over in the Fillmore uh, West and in San Francisco. And it was broadcast live on KSAN, which was like a big radio station at wow. the time. And... Uh, not too long after that show, I think it was maybe a few days or a few weeks, it would all come to a head and Roy Loney would leave the band. Wow. Okay, so that would end that era of, of the okay, Flaming man. Groovies. But and, he was like the lead singer, right? Uh, Jordan sang some songs, so, but he was mostly yeah. the lead singer. He did most yeah. of them. And he was a main songwriter. Yeah. Uh, but Jordan wrote also. Yeah. Okay. Now, right away, it was obvious Jordan was going to take over the band. And it was now going to go more in this power pop direction. Oh, yeah. Um, bass player George Alexander was became friends with this British music executive named Andrew Lauder. 
Now, Louder was responsible for signing on uh, United Artists Records, the Bonzo, Bonzo Dog Do, what, oh, I said it wrong. <laughs> the Bonzo Dog Do Not Band, okay? And also Can, <laughs> also Can and Hawkwind, early band with Lemmy. Um, 1972, he got them signed to United Artists in Britain. Now, the American side of United Artists refused them. They actually tried to get yeah. on that label. But the British side was interested, so they actually ended up having to move to England. Yep. And they connected with uh, famous producer Dave Edmonds, okay, who's known for a lot of a lot of incredible albums, Stray Cats, his yep. own shit. He was in a band called Rockpile, um, a lot of other stuff. And he, they would actually, when they got to England, the deal wasn't exactly the deal they thought. It was a deal just for singles. I think they kind of pulled the rug from under them a little bit. Yeah. And uh, they realized, okay, it's just going to be some singles. So they ended up doing two singles. One's uh, Slow Death, Tallahassee Lassie on the other side, and a song called Married Woman, and uh, Get a Shot of Rhythm on the other side of that one. Get a Shot of Rhythm and Blues, excuse me. Were you going to say something? No. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Slow Death was like an older song that Roy Loney had actually written with Jordan and it's one of their best songs one of my favorites from them uh, it's a song about drug abuse it's an anti-drug song uh, but the problem was the single got banned in England right off the bat because of the word morphine in the song because <laughs> he says a shot of morphine well th- if you listen to the words stupid it's, it's about not doing, drugs. not doing drugs so how can you not mention a drug in the song yeah, you know you but the English had some strange rules back then. So the album basically died. I mean, the single basically died a quick death. Um, neither one of those singles did very well. No. Drummer Danny Mim would leave at that point and be replaced by a Terry Ray and then finally by David Wright. 1973, they wrote the song Shake Some Action. Okay. Yep. Now, it was part of a deal with Capitol Records. They were supposed to be on an al- you know, a, a LP deal with them. So Same Time Action was also an album, right? Yes, but a couple of years later. But it, the song, first the they song, had the single, yeah. like an LP almost, right? Is that what they had? It wasn't an EP. Was, uh... It wasn't an EP because what happened was they wrote the song and they recorded it as a demo. Okay. But Capitol Records, at that time, they were having a shakeup at the executive oh, level yeah. and the deal got blocked. Oh, shit. Okay, so they got screwed. They, they had a lot of singles for that little period of time. They, yep. they took out so many. Like, if you go uh, uh, with period, some of that like, stuff would be released shit. a lot of years later. On an album or? Uh, and EPs or, EPs or albums. I mean, there's a lot of greatest hits collections and stuff with different yeah. pieces of things, live versions of stuff, yeah. demo versions of they, stuff. Yeah, another one that did a few live albums, too. Yeah. I was like yeah. impressed by just like yeah. the library of live albums. Definitely, definitely. Now, they released a, um, a single on uh, Bomp Records that was uh, produced by Dave Edmonds. It was called You Tore Me Down, and that would be released by Bomp in 1974. Um, in 1975, Bomp Records owner and, and originator, Greg Shaw, became the Groovy's manager. Oh, shit. Okay, and he arranged for them to be si- uh, be hired by Sire Records. Sire Records. Okay, they were gonna be signed by Sire, which at the time, was an up-and-coming label. They were they were signing punk bands. They signed the Ramones. They signed the Talking Heads over here. 
um, they signed the Groovies as well. So they signed a few very um, up and coming up and coming bands. Yeah. But when you start a record label, that's going to say you're going to um, hope that they make well, it. Well, Greg Shaw was an amazing guy. His story is very interesting. Yeah. Um, he really had a lot of balls. He, he he really went on a limb with some of these acts. Um, he would release uh, a lot of things. Everything from like the Groovies to like Stooges demos oh, and stuff like that. St- songs that the Stooges recorded but never put out because they broke up oh, after Raw Power. Yeah. But there were songs like I Gotta Write, Give Me Some Skin, Cock, <laughs> Cock In My Pocket. Songs like that that were never released on albums came out on Bump like five, ten years later. But they probably would have had a hard time. Cock In My Pocket? Yeah, that would be a little hard to, to release. But he put it out. With cock in my pocket, right on the title. <laughs> but it was a small label. They got away with it. Yeah. Um, okay, now, when, when they signed with Sire, it was agreed that they would work with Dave Edmonds again. Mm-hmm. And this is when they would finally get a really good record deal and the Shake Some Action album would come out. Okay? That was 1976. Um, one thing they were lucky with when they, they signed with Sire is uh, Seymour Stein, the... Uh, the executive CEO, basically, of yeah. Sire, was a big fan. Oh, he so thought that's they were good. He thought they were great. Uh, he was going to push this band a lot as much as he could. Now, one of the, the bad things about Sire back then, especially the first year or two yeah. of its existence, is it had very bad distribution. Oh. In other words, you, you know, the, the, the label would, would put you in a studio, make the album, Press the albums, but then a distributor was having a hard. They were having a hard time getting it out to the stores. Oh, so they and probably had no distribution. They they didn't have good distribution. They had some, some, but, but it wasn't good. great. Now, when uh, when the Shake Some Action album came out, which let me tell you, people, everybody should own this album. I think it's a classic. Uh, it's it's total power pop in every sense of the word. Uh, if you're into that kind of sound, um, I think it's great. Everybody should own it, um, but. Now, they were getting the full support of the record label. Yeah. And there was a gig coming up in London, okay, in July 4th, 1976. Now, it's an important date, not only because of the bicentennial, okay, but it was also the first time the Ramones were going to go to England. Now, there was, there was, a, place called <laughs> yeah. the, there was a place called the Roundhouse, yeah. okay, and it was agreed that the Groovies would headline. And the Ramones would open up. Oh, man. Okay. Wow. And I think there was a couple other acts on the bill. But basically, it was Ramones opening for the Groovies. And I know people that have gone to this show. Oh, some, yeah? some English guys. And they said this shit was fucking amazing. Oh, the show was yeah. great? Yeah. You uh, know what made me laugh when you were talking about um, Black Sabbath? Yeah. And the Ramon opened up for them and they got shitted on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was yeah. so like amazed yeah. by that. You know, it made me think of another story too when we were talking about that. They actually opened for Johnny Winter one time in Connecticut. Oh my god. Okay. And not only not only did people boo them, they threw shit at them, including bottles. And you know what else landed on the stage? What? A carburetor. <laughs> Somebody threw a carburetor at them. Like they were like, What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Okay, so yeah, when you're when you're a band like the Ramones, you know you you had shit thrown at you, <laughs> but not in England. They were well received. No, England, they were they very like and, and everybody who was anybody coming up, Johnny Rotten, The Clash, The Damned, so, uh, all these guys that were just starting out in punk bands yeah, or looking were, to start punk bands in England were at that show. So let me ask. So these guys, yeah. the the groups, right? They come in, they got the Ramones, right? They, they they're on the they, same label. They're on the same label. Yeah. Um, 
Is there one at today? Um, and they were American band that they pretty much just moved to. Was they kind of relocated. Yeah. They were better received probably in England than they were here in the U.S. Did yeah. they ever have any commercial success? Like huge commercial success in America. In the states, like well, Billboard, no, they think? no, they 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 didn't. If they cracked the top two hundred, it was a lot. Okay, wow. but no. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll mention it later too. Is they actually in the nineties? Remember the movie Clueless? Yeah. That song, Shake Some Action, ended up on the soundtrack. Okay? And it actually rejuvenated the band and got yeah. people back into the band. So uh, they never were, were, were very successful here. Um, but, you know, like great artists, you know, they're not yeah. always appreciated. Not always appreciated. You know? And that's just how it goes. But uh, the good news was in 77, uh, Sire Records would have a deal with Warner Brothers. Ooh, that's great. And it would be for distribution. Okay, and some of their stuff would start being more readily available. Um, James Farrell left the band over being unhappy about this power pop direction yeah. that they were going in. Them. And he would be replaced by uh, Mike Wilhelm. Mike Wilhelm is one of the most underrated guitar players. Okay, yeah, uh, he, a he actually has it. some solo albums of his own. He was in a band prior to the groupies called Loose Gravel, which. I know a little bit about, yeah. not much, but uh, he is a fantastic uh, musician, and unfortunately, he died this year. Oh yeah, yeah, in the last few months. Um, but if anyone has a chance to check out Mike Wilhelm, uh, any of his material, it's really good. Um, they would do for another album. So, 1978, they would make the uh, Flaming Groovies Now, now. album. Okay, again, Was that Dave, because they David, lost a member, a new singer? Is that why? You know, that would, you know, bands, bands being... Now. Now. Yeah, maybe. This but, is there, but this is you know, you know, You know what's interesting is uh, is the Stones had an album called Now. Oh, so they probably would I, say. Okay. okay. And I think even like the Chesterfield Kings did something like that. You know, anybody that kind of had that like 60s pop direction, yeah. garage band direction, they have albums called Now. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that is. But... Um, that album was also produced by uh, Dave Edmonds. You had songs like Jumping in the Night, which they did the other night. Yeah. Um, uh, 1979, excuse me, I, I misspoke there. 1979 is the album Jumping in the Night. Yeah, Jumping uh, in the Night was okay. the album. Yeah, that wasn't on now. But what they That's have on Flavie Grooming now. Right. Now, now was just a, a fantastic fucking record. But the, the next one, Jumping in the Night, was produced by Roger Bakirian. Okay, and Cyril Jordan also gets a produ- production credit. So what happened to the guy that produced Edmonds that Edmonds was supposed to produce that album, but he had gotten some new management, oh. and they, they squashed it okay. for whatever reason. I think it would have been great yeah. had he been in the, you know, involved, yeah. but he wasn't. So this is Jumping in the Night with a new producer. How does this go? Well, not like it sold anything, but it didn't do bad, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, they, they were still on, uh, on Sire. Yeah. Um, there was a song called I'll Feel a Whole Lot Better When You're Gone. That's the, the, the old Bird yeah. song, yep. okay, which they opened up with the other night. That's awesome. That, I love that song. That's uh, awesome. And you really, if you're that style of music, you can't mess that up. That's just a, a classic song. A uh, song called Yeah, My Baby, uh, Between the Lines. Uh, they did a version of The Stones, Blue Turns to Gray. Wow. Uh, a song called All I Wanted. All good shit off Jumping in the Night. That's another album everybody should have. Um, Chris Wilson in the band, he claimed that that now was his favorite album. But the problem was the band was starting to complain that 
Saya, even though they kind of got this distribution deal, now really wasn't promoting them. Yeah, not promoting okay, them, wasn't promoting them well. And uh, you know something, the Ramones left Saya many years later over the same complaint. Over the same thing. Yeah, it took them a lot. I think I think the Ramones were probably a little too loyal to That's Sire, what happened. You know, and they probably should have left them in the early eighties. Okay, but they left them like in 89, 90. Oh, so they, with they stayed with them for a long time, but they never. Especially through the eighties, they didn't promote them right. You know, when they when they uh, left Sire and went over to this new label called Radioactive, I'm still talking about the Ramones. Um, that's when you started seeing a lot of in-stores signs, okay. a lot of promotion. Yeah, uh, even stuff on the radio mentioning them and stuff. And it was at the end of their career, but at least it was something. Yeah, you know. And you know what they did? They did really see a commercial success later on. That a little bit, success. a little bit, and and you know a lot more after they were gone, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, now Warner Brothers that year uh, would come out with a punk rock songbook, okay, and it featured the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, and the Flaming Groovies. So they were kind of like getting lumped in with this new wave punk scene okay even though they kind of were a throwback to the beatles and the 60s garage bands fit in that. they did they fit in and that. these guys loved them no the, the punk bands loved them yeah you know they were definitely influenced by them uh now okay um what was happening also is that i think wilson was complaining that uh there were too many covers being done okay and I think Seymour Stein was complaining about too many covers. And what was happening was, was Cyril Jordan was trying to get more control over the rights of his own music. Yeah. So he wasn't recording any of his own shit until, oh. that, got, until that got worked it, out. Yes, okay? that so makes sense. He was battling with the record label, too. Now, unfortunately, it would all fall apart in 1980 because Sire would drop them after the jumping in the night. Yeah. And a lot of fighting between Jordan and Wilson began. Uh, also between Jordan and Seymour Stein, like, over the, like what I said, they would at that point though they would add a keyboardist to the band named Mark Dunwoody. Um, they had unfortunately a failed recording session at Gold Star Studios in California. They were going to make an album called Tour de Force, and it was at Gold Star. Now, if you know your history, Gold, Gold Star Studios is the studio that Phil Spector used often. Yep. in his recordings and this was where the Wrecking Crew the famous Wrecking Crew backup musicians like Glenn Campbell and all these other guys in the 60s wow. all those like 60s Phil Spector songs when you hear guitar that's Glenn Campbell oh my god okay great, wow. great documentary on Netflix called The Wrecking Crew you should check that Ooh, out I too I gotta see that yeah it is, it is really it's interesting um, now unfortunately the, that recording session would fall apart and Wright and Wilson would leave the band. Now, also, what was going on at this point is a lot of drug use. Ah, okay, a lot of excessive drug use going on. Uh, drummer Danny Mim uh, would come back after uh, after Wright left. He would come back to the band. And th- one thing they did at that point was they still kept touring. At least, yeah, you could still go see but the. There was a lot of, like, they had a few band members for a band tour. They had a few band member change because I was looking yeah. at this. I remember they had a lot of people come and go. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever people leave and they come back, what the hell was well, that Mim, about? Well, Mim, like I just said, he yeah. came back. Well, look, uh, that happens in bands, okay? Band, you know, band members return. That happens in a lot of bands. Uh, it's very look, you know, musicians. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to keep a band together. Yeah. With the original lineup, it's very hard. Drummers, 
You know, because I think what happens is dr- drummers and bass players, sometimes people think they're, you know, replaceable. <laughs> I, and I, then they're not always. No, but not, you can, not always. You can have a drummer like, you know, imagine, with you guys. Imagine or? if The Who got rid of John Entwistle. Oh, fuck that. Couldn't do that. Or no. could get rid of Keith Moon. Yeah. I mean, The Who wrote all their songs around Moon's drumming. You but could The Beatles could have got rid of Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> you know... There's an argument for that. We'll bring I'm gonna, back. I'm gonna bring, shit on bring, that. Bring back Pete Best. Pete Best. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I, Ringo's contribution is always up for up for grabs. Okay, up for debate. Um, <laughs> okay, now through the 1980s, they would have uh, various lineups and some short tours, uh, but in 1987 they went live in a studio. And in in Australia, and they recorded something called One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Okay. Two years later, in 89, there would be a Groovy's Greatest Groovies. In other words, it was Groovy's Greatest Hits. Is that Rock Juice? No, Rock Juice is after that. Oh, was it the Slow Death? The live album was the greatest hits? Slow Death wasn't the greatest hits. It was an early recording of a live album. album. There's a great version, I think, of uh, Jumper Jack Flash on that, too. I also got a bucket full of brains. That's yeah. also a live album. Yep. yep. And then here's the one that I found weird. Framing Groovy 68 and then Framing Groovy 70. And they, they must have taken out they took, album that I think 78 they, and 68 they, and 70. I think they combined it. That's what it was? It's, it's something, yeah, early uh, yeah, early stuff. Yeah. Uh, see, because what was happening was um, by like early 90s, um, there was a reinvigoration in the band. There was like people more interested in them and they were interested in the Roy Loney period yeah okay so what would happen is eventually they would get back together but before that okay you you wonder what happened to Roy Loney right after yeah. he left now he had started in 1979 a band called the Phantom Movers Phantom Movers okay yeah. and they would be around in different incarnations for quite a few years uh, Danny Mim when he left the Groovies he went to go play with, with him yep okay uh, James Farrell went to go play with Roy Loney after the group. So they went they just much, went back and forth. Yeah. yeah. They had some they had a few albums. Um, in 1995, like I mentioned, the Clueless movie was a, a big turnaround for them. That was that was they, great. They would that soundtrack it was a big hit that movie and the soundtrack had shake some action on it. And it got people interested in the band. Loney wanted to try to reunite with the band altogether, have yeah. a whole original thing. But Jordan wasn't interested. Okay. Okay. But it would take a few, quite a few years. But by 2009, I'm talking almost 15 years. Yeah, let me ask you. Yeah. So they were together from 1965 to 1991, right? They broke up. Then in, they say 2004, was that your reunion show? They did some reunion shows. In 2004. Right, then in 2004. They, they didn't really come back. Yeah. It just was like a one-off thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, to and, bring them back together. And what happened in 2009? You were just talking. Roy, Roy Loney and Jordan finally reunited. Reunited. Okay. And they were backed by members of the A-Bones. Now, the A-Bones is, uh, is Miriam from Norton Records. She was the original drummer to the Cramps. Okay. Before they got Nick Knox. Uh, she's the CEO of Norton Records. Um, and I think at that point, Norton was involved with putting out some groovy stuff. Oh, I think. yeah? Yeah. Norton Records is an amazing label. We could do a show just about them. I would love to 
speak to Miriam and talk to her about the, the, the label and her story. Why don't we like, get, reach out to her? We uh, can do it on the um, Rock of Mike of Robert Presents. Said. Yeah, I mean, she's an interesting person. I've never met her. Uh, her husband, Tom, passed away uh, about two years ago. And I think everything's kind of fallen on her to run the, run the label. Um, they also uh, uh, put out, I mean, so much stuff. They have a store in Brooklyn. Yeah. I think they still do, I think. That opened a few years ago. A little tiny store on Washington Street in the Crown Heights area. And uh, it's a little tiny store, but it's all filled with albums and CDs. Wow. It's cool. Um, now, they would get back together with the A-Bones backing them. Yeah. And a band called Yola Tango. Members Yola from, Tango, members yeah. From them. Now, they've been around for Yeah, they've been another Yola one. Tango. Now, do you know how Yola Tango got their name? How? What does Yola Tango mean in Spanish? I got you it. I have it. I, I got, got it. it. Yeah. Right? They were huge Mets fans. Okay? <laughs> so, it, it's a reference to, like, when you're going to catch the ball. Like, Yola Tango. Yola Tango. Yeah, I think because there were some Spanish players that... Oh, yeah, Yola said, Tango. Yeah, yeah. Like Felix Milan or something <laughs> like that. Okay? <laughs> And what they were doing at this point when Loney joined the band is uh, they were concentrating strictly on like Flamingo and Teenage Head and the early stuff. That's okay, good. They weren't that doing any stuff. of the power pop, pop stuff afterwards. Uh, 2012, Jordan, George Alexander on bass and Wilson on guitar put the groupies back together. They got a guy named uh, Victor Penalusa on drums. And they were paid $75,000 to go play Australia. Damn. Yeah, you couldn't couldn't turn that down. All right. And they actually, on the heels of that, they would actually play some sold-out shows in Japan. And on May 4th, there was a a club called the Elbow Room in in San Francisco that sold out within 24 hours. Wow. And it's memorable because Roy Loney was in the audience watching the show. <laughs> he didn't go up on stage, but he was there. But he was there? So, all right, so when did they release this Rock Juice album? Rock Juice was, uh, was in 93. 93. Okay? And it was basically an album was of... was in 93? Oh, it was a best album? Because 93, they were already in, broken in, up. In, in, in 91, what they, what they did was, in 89, they actually, on the, on the heels of the Groovies, greatest yeah. Groovies album, they did an 80-day... 80 city tour they, Somebody convinced them To do this Which is Jesus nuts Christ. In Europe yeah. Okay And it fucking Busted the band up Oh yeah uh, You can't I, They were older guys Already by that point There was no way You're gonna do that Alright <laughs> And it didn't work out I don't even know If they completed the tour Who to be, this stupid shit I don't know 88, 80, 80 day, 80, 80 nights And 80 days Yeah I mean How do you do that It's crazy um, The album of demos Would be released in 91 Called Step Up um, And then 93 was Rock Juice, which was really another album, just demos. All right, just okay, demo. yeah. But flash forward to 2012. Now they did these shows in Australia, yeah. Japan, back home in San Francisco, and it's kind of like maybe we should get this back together somehow. And okay, back together. but in 2016, a single would be released called Crazy Macy, with the B-side being Let Me Rock, and they finally released a new album called Fantastic Plastic. In September of 2017. Now, this was not the Roy Loney stuff. It's a whole different, okay. it's a whole brand new it was, album. It was, it was Cyril's version. And I have the album. It's good. Was it good? Yeah, it's a good album. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Did Norton put it out? I can't remember. It might be. I could be wrong. Uh, it might be on the Norton label. Um, it was at that point that Jordan said, we're going to reform the band, go on tour. 
He got Wilson, and they got a guy named Chris Von Snyder on bass. And here's what's interesting: Tony Sales on drummer. Wow. Now, do you now do you remember who Tony Fox Sales is? Remember the show we did on Bowie? Oh yeah. Okay, Tony Fox Sales was Soupy Sales' son. Oh yes. And, and, to, and he played with Bowie a uh, yes. couple albums on with Iggy, Tim Machine. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now his son is Tony Sales. And he's and he played with, with the guys. he played with the groovies. I was, when I wrote the name and I look at Chase Pass, I'm like, yeah. Tony Sales. The, mu- the music world is incestuous. Yeah. Everybody's like that. related to everybody else. Um, there was a guy named Adam Ellis on bass as well. Uh, and they would bring Roy Loney in as a guest vocalist okay. for some of the stuff, but he would only be on the U.S. tour. He was supposed to go to Europe, and right in the middle of the, the way to get on the plane in, in, in June of that year, <laughs> he falls down in the airport and he gets hurt. Oh, and right. he ends up in the hospital. And, and they had man? to leave. They had to leave without him and continue the tour in Europe without him. Wow. Yep. So, uh, and at this point. Uh, Wilson, Chris Wilson, retired. So he's not in the band anymore now. No. But I saw them the other night, and as long as Cyril is there, it's what a good band. What was the lineup? It was only Cyril was the only one? Cyril, I think Greg Alexander might have been in that, but I'm not sure. Um, I, yeah, I, they didn't introduce let's anybody. Say Alexander left, left the, the it band. Have actually the, band been, the bass player could have been that uh, Chris Von Snyder. And Wilson went on hiatus. I don't know. Tony. It might have been Tony Sales on drums. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he actually sang a couple of songs, the drummer, but where I was positioned, I couldn't see him. Oh, shit. Okay, I was kind of a little too far to the right. So I'm going to look that up. I'm not sure who they got exactly at this moment. Yeah. But, but Cyril, Cyril Jordan was there. He looked great. He was having a good time. Uh, the, the crowd loved it. You know, they have like a very strong cult following. I like that about that band. They're like movies. Movies got cult following, right. you know? Yeah, bands do too. That's the story of the Flaming Groovies, Rob. How long did they play for the show? What's like a, a, little hour, hour, a little over an hour. A little, a little hour. over an hour. I mean, an hour and ten minutes, maybe. Probably about twelve songs, something like that. Yeah, well, that, when they did, well, let me tell you, they did a nice long version of "Shake Some Action" early on in the yeah. set, which I was surprised. Uh, when and encore, I was hoping they were going to do "Slow Death," and they did it. Now, again, I, like I said before, this is the first time I ever seen them, and "Slow Death" is one of my favorite songs from them, and and. I've seen so many people cover that song, like the Dictators. Yeah. The handsome Dick Manitoba always does that song. Yeah. You know, but but I never I never saw the original band do it. So it was, it was cool. It was cool. It's so not cool. bad. So yeah. you saw it over here. There was a good show. You had uh, Reckon, Eric Reckon. Reckless Eric Reckless being a dick. Eric, yeah. yeah. But he was all right musically, but just until his rant. All right. So what do we have coming up in the next couple? What's dope? So it's album of the week. Album of the week. Well, you know, the Groovies are... An interesting thing because there's kind of like this early blues-based stuff and then the later power-pop stuff. If you want the blues-based stuff, get Teenage Head. I was going to say Teenage get, get Head. That That's album. the album, there. If you want to ex- you know, experiment more in the power-pop stuff, which actually was more profitable for them yeah. over the years, shake some action. Shake get some that, action. Get that whole album. Uh, but those blown three away. albums are back to back, so it was like kind of. There's head. only there's only three years apart, four or five years apart. So you know yeah. you can change your sound a lot in, in that time. It was like time. a five year period, wow. but they were evolving. 
How into, different were they from Sabbath that would take albums almost every year? It wasn't because the Groovies couldn't. They just, nobody gave them nobody a fucking gave chance. chance. Yeah. You know, and they were getting screwed over by record labels uh, and, and whatnot. Song of the day. Song of the week. Song of the week. For the I Flaming mean. Groovies. Yeah. Wow. Slow Death. Slow Death. Always going to be one of my favorites. All right, so people, you got it. That is the story of a band of childhood kids that made a band... And, and I got, by the end of it, I got the shirt. That's a great shirt. Oh, you got that at the concert? I got that at the show, yeah. It's a fucking great shirt. Yeah. I got Sandy one. You know what it says? Yeah. Teenage head. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure she's got nice, tight shirt. Teenage, <laughs> teenage head. <laughs> so people remember, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get lumped, lumped up. up. And uh, what we have for them next week. Next week, we're going to probably talk about the dam. The dam. Oh, my God. We saw the dam, man. We got a lot to talk they, about. They were a lot amazing. to talk about. They were amazing. All right, people. Have a good one. Fuck off. Have a nice day, and I'll see you next week. Later. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good, man. That was good. I, you know what's funny? I did hear Teenage Head a few times. Did you? Yeah. Here. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know, it's on the tooth. I'm like, I heard some of these songs. Yeah, Mike Baker. Okay, we're gonna have a tag. You got it? Yeah. I'm gonna add it to my I'm glad that we do this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit this. Yeah,